Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Here to introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wisconsin Music Podcast, where we're in for an absolute treat today. Joining us is a true musical virtuoso, Arjuna Contreras, a native of Racine, Wisconsin, and a town whose journey I've had the privilege of witnessing since our middle school days. Arjuna's story is one of inspiration and passion that has resonated with me personally. Hailing from Racine, Arjuna's journey from his early days in our hometown has taken him on an extraordinary path from our shared middle school experiences to his impactful role as a percussionist and educator. His roots in Racine have undoubtedly played a pivotal role in shaping the musicians he's the musician he's become. Arjuna's journey from Racine to Nashville, his dedication to teaching and performing, and his musical collaborations paint a vivid picture of a life steeped in music's boundless potential. So as we dive into today's episode, let's uncover the layer of Juna's musical odyssey, his ties to our shared roots, and the exciting prospects that lie ahead. So Arjuna, welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Zach. Much appreciated having you here. So let's introduce the listeners to you. Obviously, I've just already said you are a Racine, Wisconsin native. Why don't you kind of give us your music origin story, how you got started in the music, and kind of give us a summary of from there till today. Sure, sure. Well, um, I'm a Racine native, as, as you said, and product of the Racine school system. Uh, I started on saxophone when I was in fifth grade. My dad's a sax player. Uh, so that was that was what I did for fifth and sixth grade. But my, my heart was always with drums. And I started started drum lessons after my uh, summer of uh, or during the summer of sixth grade after sixth grade. Uh, and the rest is history. After that, <laughs> starting in seventh grade, I I was all drums all the time, basically. Um, my uncle, Jesse, gave me my first drum lesson on the kitchen table at my grandmother's house during that summer after sixth grade. And then in um, when the school year started in seventh seventh grade, I started playing um, in the school band at Mitchell Middle School in Racine. Um, was under the direction of uh, Doug Klum and Dave Caprillion, who you know I, I really um, give a lot of credit to for really inspiring me to to get into jazz and that sort of thing and start learning how to play drum set. Um, I, w- I benefited from some great private lesson instructors in Racine, um, including uh, uh, Joe Police and Tom mm-hmm. Sorensen. Uh, Joe Police famously taught um, the drummer for the Violent Femmes as well, Victor DiLorenzo. Right. I have a little fun back and forth with these days on, uh, <laughs> on Instagram, but um, we're always comparing notes about about Joe. May he rest in peace. But, yeah. But yeah. But um, you know, like I played played through middle school. I played. Um, I went. I went to you know Washington Park High School. Graduated from there and had great band directors there. Doug. Klum, I'm sorry, <laughs> David Johnson. Dave Johnson. Doug. Doug Johnson. Doug I'm Johnson. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll strike that one. Doug Johnson. And, yeah. Um, and Norm Lanning also yep. may he rest in peace. You know? yes. So I had a lot of a lot of uh, fun times in the school band program. Took lessons all the way through. Um, was really into drum corps, and so I started marching in the Madison Scouts from Beagle Corps uh, on the summer after my sophomore year of high school, and did that for ninety. Uh, did that for four years. So 
Um, that was a really pivotal part of my education as well, like having like a rudimental background. Uh, I spent a year in Wisconsin at, U- at UW-Madison uh, for college. It really wasn't where my heart was. And I really wanted to go to the University of North Texas, uh, where I had friends from Racine already mm-hmm. going to school down there, including um, one of my best friends, Dan Niemeyer, who graduated from Park High School uh, three years before me. Um so after one year at UW-Madison, I transferred down to University of North Texas and um, spent a bunch of years down there in and out of school because I, I um, would leave occasionally if I got a, a gig or a teaching opportunity in the public school system down there. But uh, while I was there, I had the benefit of studying with some incredible instructors, including Ed Sof, who I consider to be one of the, one of the top uh, drum set educators in jazz that there is. Uh, people would flock from all over the world to study with Ed, and I, I was lucky to study with him for five semesters down at, at University of North Texas. You know, I played in the lab bands down there, the you know the the big bands and some small groups and a bunch of different percussion ensembles, and so that was an amazing experience. Um, took me maybe longer to graduate than than a normal person. I mean, I think that people say, yeah, if you go to school for 15 years, you're like a doctor, right? But, um, <laughs> but I, am, I am proud to say that I, that I did I did finish and ended up with a BA in music at UNT. I'm really proud of that. And I'm really proud of the connections I've made there because that really helped, um, you know, in the, in the professional world as well. And, um, you know, at, while I was in school down there, I did a lot of teaching in the public schools, um, teaching drum, everything from like sixth grade beginning percussion classes, all the way up to high school drum line, private lessons. Um, I've always been a teacher, you know, and I think it really comes back to Racine, like just the, the great teachers that I had back there really um, instilled in me like the importance of a solid, you know, foundation on the, you know, the basics of music, not only drumming and percussion, but music in general. Um, and, you know, I think it's really, really helped me along the way, but it really fired up my, my interest in teaching. So, you know, I was actually teaching, you know, before, from the time I was, gosh, I think I was eight, 19 years old, maybe I was already in the public school system in Texas, uh, teaching, started playing different gigs as well. You know, everything from church gigs to cover bands to small group, you know, like jazz, like small group stuff, straight ahead stuff. Right. Um, started getting into the country scene down there and even played in a pulpit band. I, I played in the band Brave Combo. Um, it was one of the first uh, bigger gigs that I had. It was like a national, you know, touring act. They were known for their style of nuclear polka. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they were, uh, you know, famously, they were on an episode of The Simpsons in, in um in 2005, I guess that would have been, where they okay. were in animated form. Matt Groening from The Simpsons is a huge fan of theirs. So nice. fortunately, I missed that by a couple of years. But <laughs> I, I played with them from uh, 2008 to 2010. And uh, actually before that, while I was still playing a lot of local stuff in Dallas, I um, had the honor of, of meeting uh, Donna Summers, music director, and played with her off and on from 2005 to 2007, playing percussion on that gig. And... Um, you know, then went to Brave Combo, uh, started working with them from 2008 to 2010. And from 2010 to 2016, I was pretty heavy into the Texas country scene. I was playing with a band called 1100 Springs, which was a really popular uh, regional band down there. And um, that actually led to me getting hired by uh, Reverend Horton Heath. Nice. Um, you know, and I played with them for, gosh, it was from 2017 until... 
essentially until the beginning of COVID, I was, uh, I stepped away at that point. I was still technically in the band until April of 21. But around that time, it was, I, you know, Nashville's like, was really pulling at my heartstrings. And so I really wanted to move there. And Reverend Horton Heat's pretty solidly based out of uh, Dallas. So okay. um, uh, I made the choice to move to Nashville. And now I've, I've been, been here for two years and it's been going great. And, you know, it's um, there's been some dark times as there always is. Right, <laughs> you know, there's right. been dark times all along the way, honestly. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, the thing, um, the thing that I've always, I always kind of come back to is something a friend of mine told me, where he said, um, I was especially down and not getting much work at that point, and uh, and, he, and I was talking about how I was like, man, I'm ready to, ready to leave music. I think maybe it's maybe a, I've come to the end of what I can do. And he's like, yeah, but you're a musician. That is what you do, you right? Know, for better or worse, you mm-hmm. know. And, um, and he's like, you're not going to be happy doing anything else. And you got to push through and music is what you do. And, and he said, and to be honest, that's all you're qualified to do now. And he had a, <laughs> he actually had a point in some ways, cause he said, um, he said, you know, you spent so much of your life, like devoting yourself to, to your instrument and to music. Right. that it's like, you know, if you're, if you're 95% of the way there, you know, you got to keep pushing, you know, cause the last 5% might be the hardest, but, uh, I'm glad that I stuck with it because there's been many times where I've, 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 you know, felt really dejected and felt like it wasn't going to work. And usually those darkest times were right before I, I landed something really big. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, so Nashville, like I said, Nashville has been, been going really well. It's, it's um obviously there's, there's a lot of competition here. And even though I came in to town with a, you know, a few, a few, um, pretty uh, high profile you know things on my resume it's still a town where you got to prove yourself here you know yeah. like oh that's great man reverend Horton needs a killer gig yeah but let's hear you play this contemporary like you know country gig or you know let you know let's see what you can do other than that you know right so, right yeah but man it's it's been going great and uh, i've been working a little bit with um, a country artist named josh grayson who you know was on american idol a few years back he was a finalist and you know, that turned into some country hits for him. And, you know, he's had a career there. And um, let me see who else. Well, I just finished up a tour with the, an artist named J.D. McPherson, who's a you know, kind of like, a, I would call like an indie rocker. He started off kind of more in the like roots rockabilly scene and he's kind of ventured out. But um, we were on tour opening for Robert Plant and Allison Krauss, which was uh, nice. pretty surreal. Yeah, <laughs> you know? um, right, right. You know, and that was late, late spring, early summer of this year. And, um, you know, but it, it's a kind of an interesting thing because like that gig like came from the Reverend Horton He gig in a way like he, you know, I met him when I was playing with the Rev and we were on a festival together or something like that. And, um, you know, at the end of last year, I was I had the honor of doing a playing a week on the uh, on the show television show Late Night with Seth Meyers. And that kind of came from the Reverend Horton He gig as well. So, you know, everything links together and like I kind of realized more and more that you got to just keep pushing through. If, if music is what you do, if that's all you think about, you know, from the time you wake up until the time you go to sleep, mm-hmm. you got to stick with it during the hard times because you're yep. just not going to be happy with anything else. You right. Know? Um, yeah. I mean, being a musician or anything in the professional field is like it's got its roller coasters, ups and downs. You know, there's going to be good times and bad times. You just got to push through it, like you said. Definitely. Definitely. So, and, yeah. and like I was saying, a lot of times those those darkest moments are right before <laughs> that something big is getting ready to happen. It's almost like it's a test to see yes. if you're if you're really ready for it. You know, exactly. can you handle this like super dark period? 
because mm-hmm. this isn't waiting on the other side of it, you know. Definitely. And are you still doing like educational stuff while you're living in Nashville? Yeah, I'm, uh, it's pretty limited right now to teaching some private lessons. I have a handful of private students. You know, back in Texas, I was like in the public school system, like going to the actual schools on a daily basis, almost. Okay. Um, now I'm I'm teaching out of a uh, out of a small uh, practice, uh, you know, area practice room, essentially here in town, and it's kind of just on a um, word of mouth basis. I haven't really started promoting it as much. Um, I'm basically I I don't know when this will air, but in September I'm pretty pretty busy with touring through the month of September, and then. October, I'm, I'm going to start really trying to to get more established as a teacher here in town. Gotcha. Um, but I have had it, you know, I've, I've, I've been doing some lessons. I've been doing a little bit of Skype lessons with former students that I've had over the years. And, um, you know, it's just the, it's a really, you know, I really get a lot out of that. You know, like a lot of people say, like, you know, teachers, you know, it's like you learn as much as the students do. And I think that, that yes. really is true, yeah. you know, because it, it really forces you to think about what you do as a musician and how you approach things. Right. And so, you know, like not only is it a good, you know, it can be good to help, you know, to help with the financial situation, <laughs> but it's also just good for my growth as a musician myself. So yeah. that's part of the reason why I've never really wanted to stop doing it, you know? Gotcha. And at times, at times I've, I've had to, you know, been able to balance, you know, and do both of them. A, a couple of the gigs that I've had, uh, haven't left much time for, for teaching, you know, um, the rev gig was pretty much a full-time thing. We were doing 175 shows a year and, brave combo wasn't far behind that so yeah the time that i was in those two bands um i I wouldn't say that i kind of fell away from teaching but um but uh you know during covid actually i um i got back into it uh you know because i had stepped away from the rev gig i actually went back to to racine and hung out with my folks for a while thinking that it would be just oh like hang up i'll hang out up here for a few weeks because there was no real reason for me to be in texas yeah but i started doing some clinics with with uh schools that i had worked with in in texas like doing some zoom clinics from my from my parents house in racine okay (laughs) you know and and started you know putting out some you know instructional videos and stuff onto instagram that caught a little bit of of traction or whatnot and so it kind of like even though i had not really done much teaching in the three years previous to that it kind of really got me excited about it again and so you know moving here to nashville that was always a thought that i that i wanted to to get back into that on a more full basis however i've been kind of in the it's been two years now that i've been here in town and i'm still kind of in the mode of hustling to try to line up as much work with artists and bands as i possibly can yeah um but 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 my goal as when it slows down here in a month or so is to kind of get back into it and i've already had a few people reach out to me and say oh man i, I love the way you play a, I love the way you play like a chicago blues shuffle like can i take a lesson and just learn how to do that better and i was like yeah sure yeah. i mean I, I don't know if I, what i'm going to teach you is going to necessarily help, right. but i hope it will you know yeah <laughs> but um but yeah so being down in Nashville with all the recording studios and stuff down there, do you get gigs where you're like the studio musician? A little bit. I, I, I haven't done as much studio work here as I want to, but I have I have done a few records. Um, well, one of them was the record with with my friends Noah and Ian, who are yeah. fellow Racine expatriates. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that American Restless record. We we tracked all the drums at a really cool studio down here in Nashville called the Bomb Shelter Studio or the bomb shelter. And, um, um, and then that actually working with the audio engineer on that session actually led to me doing 
two about two and a half more records with other artists there um that you know like it's like man we love the way you you play you're really consistent and have have good feel and mm-hmm. can we can we call you for some more stuff and i was like please yes stuff, <laughs> right <you know? laughs> I'll, I'll be waiting by my phone you know? right exactly but, uh, but uh but yeah no i mean so i haven't done you know as much as i'd like to i mean the admittedly the the recording scene in nashville is a is a tough nut to crack for sure okay um you know, I mean, I'd love to, you know, at some point, obviously it'd be a dream to play on like a Taylor Swift record or something, you know, like I'd, like on a master <laughs> session. Yeah, where, right. You know, what you're, what you're tracking is, is going to go direct. You're going to hear it on the radio on, you know, mainstream radio in, in, a, in a month or whatever. But um, that's a bit of a, a tough nut to crack. And like, you know, like I was saying, um, you know, uh, I'm relatively new here still in town. And, right. But I'm happy to get, you know, there's a few demos that I've been called to do and you know, those are, are rewarding and, you know, fun experiences and pay pretty well. And But yeah, it's like, you know, like in the country world, for example, like, you know, there's still guys here like Eddie Bayers Jr. Who's, I think, you know, he's been the number one of the number one like country session guys for like 50 years now. So like, wow. uh, it's a good, tough scene to break into. Yeah. But, but, I, but I hope to, you know, keep, you know, playing in the studio is fun. I've always considered myself more of a live drummer and i think maybe that's just because i haven't had as much experience in the studio and you know i play you know i have play really energetically so i think sometimes that can be a little bit hard to trans it, it translates a little bit harder to to the studio maybe okay um, but you know i've gotten better at 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 um at at how i play in the studio and being a little bit more controlled but for me like always the energy of playing in front of a live crowd and getting that reaction to me, that was always like the tops. Like I always loved that the most, you know, that being said, like the records I've done, you know, the couple that I've done here in town and, you know, I've done a few, I did a few back in Texas over the years, you know, they're always rewarding experiences. It's fun to create like right on the spot like that. Um, one record that I'm really proud of is uh, I'm on a Reverend Horton Heat record called A Whole New Life that was okay. recorded while I was in the band. And I'm on drums on that whole record. In fact, that record was essentially my audition for the band. Oh, wow. I was originally just hired to do some tracking um, because their former drummer was no longer going to be with them. Okay. And, um, you know, what started off as like three or four songs turned into six or seven. And then before I knew it, I had tracked the whole record. It was, I think it's, it was 11 songs. Then after that, you know, the rev was like, hey, man, you know, kind of without a drummer and we're getting ready to go out on tour co-headlining Reverend Horton Heat and Fishbone. Any nice. chance you'd be interested in something like that? And I was like, yes, I yeah, would. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, man, but I thought, I thought that you do a lot of teaching around town and, you know, and you play at a church and you play a lot of weekend gigs. And I said, yeah, I, I do all that. But I mean, I'd love to get back into more like a full-time, you know, gig situation. He's right. like, ah, interesting. He's like, well, let me ask you this. Do you have a passport? And I saw that they were going overseas like, during that tour. And yeah. I was like, yes, I do. And so, you know, you know, that, that, so I'm proud of that record because not only I think it sounds great, but also because that was essentially the, my audition process for Reverend Horton E, which was, you know, um, a really, really fun gig to be on. During yeah. I was in the band. And what's the name of that uh, album again? So people can. Yeah, it's called A Whole New Life. A Whole New Life. Okay. Great. A new life. Yeah. And it was kind of, you know, Jim, that, that's the, the, there's a title track by the same name. And, uh, but, you know, Jim, the Rev, you know, talked about in interviews that he did for that record, how um, when I joined the band and he also brought in a keyboard player, a piano player, which he hadn't used 
for live shows uh, before, I think, ever, at least not for a sustained period of time. How, like, the two of us, myself and the piano player, kind of invigorated, you know, his career in some ways and got him excited about playing music. So that's kind of where he came up with the title, A Whole New Life, because gotcha. it felt like it gave him a whole new life. And yeah. Uh, so that was that was that was um, that was fun to be to be thought of in that way for sure. Nice, nice. Um, mm-hmm. Let's kind of switch gears a little bit here, and let's kind of mm-hmm. talk about drums in general for the listeners out there, especially drummers and those that are aspiring to become better. What are some main ideas or main tips that you could give over a podcast that would resonate with them that, that make them not only better drummers but better drum buyers, like? You know, you see all these drum companies and they, you know, they say ours is best because of this or ours is the best because mm-hmm. of that. But when it c- comes right down to it, what are the main ideas of putting together a drum set and becoming a better drummer? Sure. Well, as far as drum gear is concerned, as far as the instruments, I feel like a lot of it has to do with what level you are as a player and uh, what well obviously what kind of money you want to spend but I will say this like every every major company makes good drums you know like um, I mean I could very easily say oh well, I love Ludwig because I have a Ludwig endorsement or whatever but um, and the fact is that every company makes good drums at at multiple levels in their in their line right um, I would say that like you know if you if you're just starting out stick with something that is you know a that I would say maybe not a beginner beginner kit because I, I feel like if you're really wanting to to do something with it, I like to steer students towards like an intermediate like level, you know, drum set, you know, and it's pretty easy to tell looking on each company's like website, like what they consider their you know, like beginner series, what they consider their intermediate and then their like pro level series. Mm-hmm. I like to, to have get have my students have some drums that tune up well and sound great and can last them for a few years rather than starting with something that admittedly might be like under $500, but you know, isn't as inspiring to play maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, Yeah. then I would say that like, it's also, I would say it's important to have, if you're not taking drum lessons, at least have someone who plays drums come over and, and show you how to set them up properly, how to, tune them or to at least tune them to get you started so you kind of know what you're what you're going for right a lot of times i'll work with 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 younger kids that are maybe in sixth grade or younger fifth grade fourth grade and they're playing on the drums and they're set up incorrectly they're set up in ways that aren't that make them harder to play you know they don't know it because Mm -hmm. they don't know any better but like right you know the mechanics of how it works like it really helps to have a solid foundation with a teacher showing you kind of the right way to go um, I would kind of stay away like I've had some like middle school kids whose parents want to buy them like a professional level kit right off the bat and I get that if you have the money you mm-hmm. know but like um, I find that like the intermediate kit like a Yamaha stage custom or uh, you know a Pearl even like like I used to have a Pearl export series kit you know or um, you know like these are generally pretty good it can get you a few years down the road if you stick with it and if you don't you can resell them for something you know right, whereas right. i think a lot of times the beginner kids they're not really resellable because you know for for much because you didn't pay much to get them you mm-hmm. know what i mean right um 
that being said, I have this like Ludwig like break beat. It's called a breakbeat kit, and it's it was developed by Questlove to and to be like a a small drum set you could take around New York City to play gotcha. at gigs. And I mean, I see like you know Ludwig, the company that I'm involved with, like they'll they kind of market that as a beginner level kit. But I mean, I I have used it on professional gigs, you know, like <laughs> and I have friends who who have toured with that kit, you know. Yeah, like, it works well, and that's a really inexpensive kit, you know. So. <laughs> you know so that's a, a cool option also but um but you know like it really comes down to um you know just like getting something that you can sound good and i i really feel like you know beyond any talk of endorsements or anything i feel like every company makes something that that can sound good and and be relatively inexpensive right as far as like what to do when you're younger especially or even if you're an adult and you're just trying to get into playing drums what I did and what I, I know that probably other people have said but many times before is like nothing really beats like listening to recordings and trying to learn to play along with them mm-hmm. because it's not so much like you, you start figuring out the coordination, you know, of the snare and the hi-hat and the bass drum or whatnot. Um, it's not only that, but you, what you really need to start tapping into is getting yourself to your your to feel like what, is on recording because like you know it's like they're in this age of social media and instagram like i worry that like there's a whole generation of musicians who are missing the point kind of you know like it's so easy to find on instagram you know the, the who is playing faster than you can than you can see like faster than the camera can even pick up yeah <laughs> but the, the, the and that's fun to watch you know yeah. it's, it's kind of like the you know it's fun to watch at times but I've never in my, like, however many years, I don't even want to say how many years I've been a professional musician, but <laughs> in all those years, I've never asked, it's, no one's ever asked to see how fast I, of a feel I can play around the toms. You yeah. Know? You know, I, I, the only reason I've gotten hired for stuff is because, like, thankfully, people will think that my playing feels good, you know? And I think that's a testament you grow up listening to. And I'm, I'm lucky because my parents are huge music fans and, and, and my dad is, you know, is a musician. Yeah. Um, and I was lucky that I, I had a wide range of music that I listened, that I heard in the house growing up. And even if you didn't, you know, you can still expose yourself to as much music as you possibly can. People are like, oh, I'm, I just like rock music or I just like, you know, I just like uh, pop or whatever. And I was like, wow, you're, you're really, I've had students tell me that. And I would tell them, I was like, well, you're mi- really missing the boat because like, especially as a drummer, you want to be able to, if someone calls you for a jazz gig, like you want to be able to, to hold your own on that. Yeah. If someone calls you for a rock gig or a country gig or, you know, a Latin jazz gig, I mean, it starts getting a little bit harder to be able to do all that stuff convincingly. Right. But the more you can, you know, like that's what it's all about. So I say, like, listen to records. I'm still a fan of like finding. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm completely self-taught or whatever. I mean, that is one way to go. Because of my upbringing, I just think there's no substitute to finding like a local teacher in your area who's got a good reputation. Yeah, and having them take you through some of the major like drum method books. Even though in this day and age, like, of people wanting to be good right now, I think there's no. There's no real way, there's no way to bypass the amount of time it takes to develop, you know, your skills and your chops, you know. So it's like, to me, it's like a combination of developing your ears through listening to, to as many different recordings as you can and trying to, like, mimic or learn what the, what's happening with the drum part and then try to get your, your drumming to sound like that. And then um, 
and then getting with a teacher uh, or, you know, cause you can work through method books and that sort of thing on your own, but having someone help you who's further down the road is really to me what it's all about. You know, they yeah. can help you, you know, they can tell you things that aren't going to come to you by yourself or at least won't come to you for some time. Yeah. You know, and it's like, in that way there's a little bit of a shortcut that can happen and i'm I'm a fan of that you know i think um any any leg up can help and i mean obviously you can learn a ton on youtube as well these days or or on instagram i worry that a lot of what you know you're learning on there is not the right thing not the right stuff maybe you know like um but like you know but there's a lot to be learned you know And, and the problem also with with not having an actual teacher and just having like youtube like is that you're just oftentimes just pulling random lessons out you know it's like i think having a teacher or taking a course from a teacher online where there there's an actual like curriculum to it you know there's a there's a process you know taking you step by step through you know it's like um i love working with like beginning drummers because i i love teaching them how to hold the sticks even yeah. you know just like because like if you don't like because it's like a lot of people don't realize if you don't get the the, the proper like technique of like holding the sticks where the stick can can bounce freely and you know work with the least amount of effort as possible and you can learn to control that like you're you're setting yourself up for you know for um not really ever fully reaching the potential of the chops you see people playing on Instagram, right you know right, I mean? right it's like you, you have to learn how it, you have to learn the mechanics of it exactly and that can be that can be hard to pick up without someone teaching you and i really thank you know my uncle for that my uncle jesse but also tom Sorensen really really helped me and you know yeah. I, I think i i don't i probably didn't mention this earlier but i played in the love house brigade okay uh, marching band also right. um during uh i believe i uh, House brigade like the, the the middle school group like in seventh and i think i was in there in eighth grade or maybe i played in the high school group in eighth grade as well but um i also played in there in ninth grade and you know um like so was really instrumental in helping me learn like i'm saying just the mechanics behind how it all works and then when i started studying with joe police you know he taught me like a slightly different he kind of came from a little bit of a different background because he was more of just a straight ahead jazz drummer yeah um but um but yeah i mean i encourage people to find a teacher whether it's online or in their in their town also, I, one other thing I would stress, and a lot of people don't see the importance of this anymore, but I really think it's important to be able to read music still, you know? Like, yes. Uh, maybe that's like me being like an old head, like, you know, get a lawn style, but like, <laughs> but like, I think it's important, you know, because like it saves so much time, like for me to be able to, I, I don't even want to tell you, like, I don't even know how many like songs I've charted out since I've gone to Nashville. It's over 300 wow. the different artists that I've played. So, so when, when I started, started working with Joe, Joe he definitely gave me like a another viewpoint on technique. He was coming from a different background, more um, like a jazz drummer's background, whereas Tom Sorensen was more from a rudimental, uh, rudimental kind of thing. So it was great to hear the different the viewpoints on technique. So that's what I was saying that like you know having a, a private lesson teacher, whether it be an on someone online or in your town, who can show you like the fundamentals, like the mechanics, like you know, how to get control of the sticks, you know, that and your feet as well, for that matter. Um, if you're talking about drum set mm-hmm. is I, 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 there's no, there's no way about, around that. You know, a lot of, a lot of people will say, Oh, well, I didn't never take a drum lesson in their life. And I'm in my life and I'm proud of that. Well, that that's one thing I that having a, um, and I feel like I'm an example of having good teachers along the way 
whether they be you know drum instructors or band directors, can really help show you uh, a few shortcuts that can help get you further faster. Yeah. And like you were saying, it, mm-hmm. it's good to have all these techniques and knowing things like reading music. So like you said, you can write out parts if you need to, to make sure that, you know, you can do anything that someone hires you for in, you know, in sure. this world of mu- music. Yeah. Like I was saying, I think I mentioned that I think, I feel like I've tracked or, you know, charted over 300 yeah. songs since, since I moved to Nashville. And it, it can be, it can happen quickly if you're hearing it and can hear and see the rhythm, you know, or the, the chords or whatever, like right in your head and be able to almost like write it down in real time. It saves so much more time. Yeah. And right. I feel like you, you know, being a quick learner like that is great in the studio, great when you're getting all a day before to go, you're supposed to leave with someone to go do three show in the Midwest, which has happened to me as well. You know, I got a call like less than 12 hours us was leaving and they're like hey can you learn our 90 minute show and go with us tomorrow and i was like yes i can <laughs> right right <laughs> because of the education i got in racing <laughs> there you go you know yeah i mean it's you know education is knowledge and if you can harness that then you you're you're 90 percent there speaking of you know you were in texas for a long time you're in nashville now is and we did kind of talk a little bit about how the local scene reacts mm-hmm. to certain things is there a lot of difference between texas and nashville or do you see a lot of similarities it's a pretty cool music scene in dallas also so i would say there are some similarities there's just a lot more people in nashville right a lot more people and it's all the cream of the crop for the most part most part yeah so competition is tougher you know like um but you know it's still you know it's still it's still you know it is what it is in terms of like if you're a player, you think you will, you will find work. It's mm-hmm. a, it, it is a little tougher here in town, and uh, you know people are willing to work for probably less than you want to. So that's another aspect of it. Um, the, you know, people are, are willing to, to to undercut like what 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 should be a respectable pay because they want to work. But right, um, you know, it's all it's all like um, you know, it's it. It's all it's all kind of baked into it. It's all part of it, you know. Like if you really want to do it, it can be done. Um, there's uh, I, there's more competition, but also a ton more opportunities. I mean, this is where the live music industry is really based out of now. So um, there's that was the main reason that I that I wanted to leave Dallas because after playing uh, on the Rev gig, I didn't really know where else I could go after that. Yeah, you know, um, that was one of the bigger one of the bigger gigs in Dallas. So Nashville was kind of like the next um, step for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, As we're wrapping this up, are there? um, I would say it's just one one more thing I was going to say. It it is more, it is more competitive, but I also find it to be really supportive here. I've I've found really people to be really nice, you know? Um, So competitive, but we're about. Great. As we're wrapping this up, what are some gigs that you have had that made a big impression on you? Sure. Um, well, the, working with Donna Summer was, was big for me because that was the first time that I had worked with someone of that fame. Um, and she was just a sweetheart of a person. So that really gave me an insight into like, oh, wow, someone who's that best, um, is still super nice, you know? And, and I was like, okay, well, so, you know, 
throughout my career, I'm always be sure to just act like I normally, which is I generally think to be, you know, a, a nice person, no matter what comes to my direction, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, so her, her playing with her was, was, was a huge influence, I believe. You know, they all have, have been a big influence in some ways or others. You know, I, I had to like, essentially, I, before her gig, I had never played professionally. Like I had played it in school growing up and, played, yeah. you know, um, played it in college. Because on her gig, I was playing congas and timbales and some electronics. And I wasn't like a professional percussionist in that way. I was a professional drum set player and got myself in shape you know like and so i also taught myself that i can there um and challenge myself to do new things and and succeed at them you know that's what happened on that because they kept inviting me back to play more and more wonderful shows with them. yeah um they've all been they've all been they've all been um you know being for different reasons you know playing with brave combo exposed me to a lot of different styles of music like I never knew there was different types of polka until I started playing with them, you know, like, yeah. and there's intricacies to all of it. So it helped oh, me yeah. widen my view of music, um, especially the different words. You know, I had never played in a country band before I played in 1100 Spring, and I ended up staying with them for six years. And so I learned a lot about country music on that. It's like, you got to take some, something from every gig you play, right? right. Like, cause it's not just about the money. I mean, no. that's a large part of it. If, right. if music is all you do. <laughs> but you got to take, you know, there's, you're, you're silly if you don't look, take something else from it. You know what I mean? Like, and each of these gigs I've learned about, especially those styles of music, you know, like playing, playing country music with 1100 Springs and then the Reverend Horton Heat gig. I had never played a gig that was that heavy before, you know, okay. there's elements of metal and punk rock and, um, um, well, psychobilly is the style that he's well mm-hmm. known for. And, um, so, you know, that, and, you know, that, that was also a great experience. That was the first time, like, I toured, that, that I was on a tour bus for prolonged periods of time, you know, like, uh, which was a learning experience in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, both 1100 Springs and the Rev Gig were the first times that I traveled overseas to play, you know. So, I, you know, I remember those experiences vividly, like, touring in France and the UK and Estonia. I played Estonia with Reverend Horton. He wow. I'll never forget. You yeah. Know, like, so, you know, like, uh, you know, those, those gigs were great. You know, like um, this most recent tour that I did with JD McPherson, like I had mentioned was, uh, was an opening slot for Robert Plant and Alison Krauss's band. Nice. And, uh, you know, just getting to rub elbow with Robert and Alice on a daily basis was pretty cool. You mm-hmm. know, I'll tell you a quick story. Like, I, you know, I met Robert on the first day of the tour and you know, it was like, oh, welcome, welcome aboard, mate. You know, everything is like mate. You know, yeah, like, yeah. very, very uh, UK. Like, um, and he's like, welcome aboard, mate. You know, and he heard my full name then, Arjuna, and, and JD was like, yeah, his name's Arjuna, but everyone calls him RJ. He's like, all right, man. You know, and then every day after that, when he when he would see me, he would um, you doing all right, mate? And then like kind of punch me in my shoulder. Yeah. And after about like the tenth or eleventh time that that happened i started worrying worrying oh man i don't think he remembers my name (laughs) (laughs) my crowning moment where you know i said to him i was like robert you know man i just want to say it's been a real honor you know and a blast to be on this tour um opening for you guys and i was like man i'll never forget it he's like i'll tell you what rj 
you kicked ass, mate. And I was like, oh, wow. He knew my name. He knows your time. name. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so just that kind of rubbing, you know, um, and then he punched me in my shoulder one more time for good measure. But, you know, that kind of like, um, you know, that that was a, a, a pretty pretty big moment for me. Yeah. You know, um, you know, spending a week in New York City on the Seth Meyers show was huge as well for different reasons. Just it's fun to rub elbows with the slap mm-hmm. bat, you know, I, met people like Quentin Tarantino briefly and that sort of thing. So, but, you know, it's all good. You know, like uh, you take, you take something away from everything, like, yes. you know? Um, and, you know, the Seth thing happened from me, me, Fred Armisen at a Reverend Horton Heat show. He was at in California. And that led to me meeting the music director of the show who also happened to be a Reverend Horton Heat fan. So it's like, that's kind of like my, from everything I do, you want to take something and, leave on a positive note because you never know how it's going to affect what happens down the line. Right. Which is a, a good lesson never to really yeah. burn, burn any bridges. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, one thing I do ask is like work life balance. Obviously um, you're not, you know, you're not a, a bachelor. I don't think um, you probably have somebody in your life where you're trying to balance stuff around with. I have, I have people, I have, yeah, I have had women in and out of my life. I'm currently, but, um, but definitely when, when I've been in relationships, it's definitely been something that has to be balanced, you know, um, you know, it's, it's generally a thing where either they're understanding of what I do or, or unfortunately not. And then, you know, at that point, then kind of the the writing is on the wall, Mm -hmm. the long-term relationships that I've been in have, have been the former rather than the latter where, you know, they're, you know, they 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 were either also musicians or in the entertainment somehow, and so they they get it. You know, um, you know, part of doing this is is being away from home. So, um, yeah, currently I I I, I don't have that issue, <laughs> better or worse, I guess. Right, right. But um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely definitely something to consider. <laughs> yeah. Any last words before I let you go, Arjuna? Um, gosh, I can't, I, I, I think I just keep coming back to like, uh, when you, when you get down about music, if it's what you really want to do, if it's what you love, because you never know what's around the corner. Um, usually the, like, I think the adage is saying like when it's, when it's the darkest part of where, whatever you're dealing with, you're, that's when you're the closest to, to something good happening. So if, if music is what you do, if that's what you live and breathe, that, that you, you have no choice of quitting. There, there right. is no choice. Even no matter how hard it gets, you got to keep plugging away. Yep. That's carried me through a lot. Well, Arjuna, thank you so much for being on the Wisconsin Music Podcast. I hope listeners enjoyed all the great information that you bestowed upon them. It was very, you know, for me at least, it was very informative and it was great to catch up with you and everything that you've been doing over these last years, you know. <laughs> exactly, right? yeah, I'm glad you're not telling people he's a graduate of Park High School in blah, 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 year. Right. <laughs> hey, we're not getting older, we're getting uh, we're getting wiser. Exactly. Right? Like, we're like vintage wine. We get better with yeah, age, exactly. right? Hey man, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Same here, thanks. I'm a fan of the, I'm a fan of the podcast, so it's really, really special. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You bet, man. <laughs>